Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that watched the budget so you didn't have to. I'm Scott Phillips and with me is Andrew Page, the co-founder, founder, managing director, CEO, chief cook and bottle washer of strawman.com. Which leads me to the question, Andrew, or firstly, g'day, what's Strawman? G'day, Scott. Strawman is a private investment club where people manage play money portfolios to, to, I guess, get a bit of experience, but also to signal to other people what they think is worth buying and perhaps why you want to buy it. So if you're after a bit of independent, uh, you know, insight from some of Australia's smartest investors, come check us out. Very good. Uh, Andrew has said in previous podcasts, those who aren't listening or haven't listened for a long time, uh, they're going to try and come up with something new every day. So every week. So every week I'm going to ask him and, and see, what I can, see what I can get him to come up with. Uh, we'll see in uh, a couple of months' time how esoteric it gets. Uh, of course, I'm Scott Phillips. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool. Uh, this is Motley Fool Money. Andrew is a former fool, like a great mate of both the fools and of mine personally, and a smart bloke. And so um, we figured, hey, let's do a podcast together. Which, that's what we started, the podcast together, didn't we? Many, many years ago. You went and did your back own in thing. The day. To come back to the podcast. Still not back to the fool. Well, maybe one day, maybe. But uh, for now, <laughs> at least, uh, running strawman.com and doing a wonderful job of it. So, I mate, mean, thank you for joining us again this week. Um, this week, budget week. This mm. was a this was a big macro week, and I, you know, we were talking before we started recording. Macro is macro is both fascinating and and difficult, right? Because firstly, it's like the economic machine is really really important because you know if it breaks or, or if we don't if we don't run it properly. It can go really badly for a lot of people, and we've seen that. On the other hand, as an investor, you say, well, okay, but what do you want me to do about it? So we're going to try and weave a, a steady course through both of those topics, you know, bounce from one to the other. We are going to talk about the budget, and we're not going to do it in lots of boring detail, but we're going to kind of summarize some of the key things. Um, and just, again, because if you haven't watched or didn't watch it, didn't read it, the what does it mean thing, I think is worth having a chat about. We will talk about, speaking of the budget, iron ore, mate, and the just mm. phenomenal success story there. We'll talk about banks and bank shareholders and buybacks. Three Bs, kind of, banks and bank shareholders. Mm. We'll call it a B, and buybacks. <laughs> uh, and we will talk about, again, we'll go back to the macro a little bit because we had lots of theoretical conversations about inflation and interest rates. And mm. the proverbial has hit the proverbial this week in a reasonably big way from a stock market perspective this time. So while it's a macro thing, um, that otherwise feels a bit weird and esoteric, as I said, it kind of gets real when it gets real and that's when it starts to impact on the economy and on share prices. And let's, be, uh, let, let's not uh, hide this one away, potentially higher mortgage repayments. I don't want to scare anybody mm. listening, but um, that's, mm. that's, that's potentially coming down the pike. All right, mate, let's get mm. on with it. What do you reckon? Let's do it. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. All right, mate. There was a thing called a budget. <laughs> it was out on Tuesday night. I have, I have said to you before, I think I probably said to our listeners before, I am one of those rare, uh, thankfully rare people who actually enjoys the budget. And I know that's not... <coughs> Nerd. <coughs> Nerd. <laughs> I know... Thank you. I know that's not... Uh, that, you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't say that in, in polite company. Um, it's, not, it's not something you want to actually kind of, you know, say to... I, I'm going to assume this is a safe space. I'm going to assume that uh, our listeners... Uh, care about me enough not to do what you just did and call me a nerd. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm a, I'm a massive budget nerd. I'm a massive politics nerd. I'm an economics nerd. And that collides beautifully, right? This with this this yeah. very um, this, this very place because uh, look. So I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna indulge myself too much in this one. But for me, it's kind of like I mean, I like the economics of it. I like the politics of it. I'm fascinated by both. Um, but it's kind of to me, it's also and without being too you know highfalutin about it, it's 
it's kind of the expression of democracy in some ways, right? Like it's it's kind of like an election, but not quite as cool, where it's literally an elected government saying, hey, here's how we're going to spend your money. And we're going to let you know, and here's all the policies, and you can you can love us or hate us or do whatever you need to do as a result. And mm. yeah, it's a whole lot of theatre, and there was like days and days of leaks, which, you know, is just usual media spin these days. And so there's, there's, there's all that, and it's not perfect, and, you know, I, pox on both their houses, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I just, I, I like the idea of the budget. I like the fact it happens. And I, I did write during the week, uh, an example of my my questionable affection for the budget. There was a time, mate, where I was working late many years ago and I literally paid to catch a taxi home rather than catching the tram when I was in Melbourne at the time because I was going to miss the beginning of the budget. So whatever that whatever that cost me, that was my that was my little uh, economic that donation. Is to, to what, uh, isn't that tragic? That is completely, completely tragic. <laughs> You've got to get out more. <laughs> I really, really do. All right, so let's... <laughs> Thank you. Let's let's um, move on. I think to, to what the budget contained. I'm going to go through a couple. I, I separate them kind of into good, okay, and not great. I won't say good, bad, ugly, mm-hmm. but good, okay, and not great. Um, yep. And you may disagree with them, by the way, mate. So I'm just going to quickly do a really quick cooks tour through this. I'm not going to spend too long on it because you know it gets mm-hmm. boring for everybody. Well, not me, but everybody else. Uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> you, if if I see you fall asleep, mate, I'll know we we need to move on. <laughs> so what I here's here's a couple of things. Um, the extension of the low and middle income tax offset. If you're earning, dear listener, less than 120 grand a year, you are going to have an extension to a, a tax rebate you got for the last couple of years that was kind of bought in for COVID, I think, or kept for COVID, sorry, bought in, bought in to kind of proceed some tax cuts that was legislated. Uh, it was kept for COVID and then it was supposed to finish on June 30 this year. It is going to continue for at least another year. That's 1,080 bucks or up to that in the back pocket at tax time. 2160 for a couple, obviously. Um, I love the way they do that. 1080 for a single and 2160 for a couple. It's like, yeah, no, I can do the maths. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, they, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they did that, so I'll do it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, so from an economic perspective, I've said before, I'm a, you know, I don't understand how businesses and some people who want to pay less tax, I no one wants to pay more tax, right? Um, but if you want businesses to thrive and the economy to grow, you need more spending. And the people most likely to spend money are those on lower middle incomes and or welfare recipients who don't have the capacity to save because they're on the, literally the bread line, but you know, they're saving even they get. And so if you're looking for economic stimulus, economic growth, you want to underpin or, or support the economy post COVID recovery. This to me feels like a really, really smart thing to do. It's fair for them. And it feels like it's good for the economy. It's it's good for society, mate. You know, right. it's, it's one of these things. If, if there's, you know, if there was ever a more stupid economic theory, it's the trickle-down effect, you know? And so <laughs> if you're going to give tax cuts, you don't give it to the billionaire who may or may not use that extra thing to buy an ivory yeah, back yeah. scratcher or, or a super yacht, you know? But when you, when you put it to the other end of the spectrum, that, that yeah. actually, it's good for all of us. It's good yeah, for them. Right. It has a whole bunch of societal benefits. And, you know, I don't want to... Th- come across as a, a, a as a far right a far left hippie hurrah or anything like that but I, I just think I think there is very very solid economic uh, evidence uh, for the value of that in terms of yeah. just the economy and people and that, that's that's the other point I want to make here is that the economy is society <laughs> is people right, right, really right. it's yep. it, it is it is a very very direct line to, to, to connect those two things together so while it sounds all very financy and the rest of it the economy <laughs> is just just how we all interact with one yeah. another and how, yeah. how we Makes choose sense. to structure our society and what we want, you know, as a society. So it sounds, yeah. sounds a bit airy-fairy, but yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've said the same thing before, mate. The, the economy is there to serve the society the other way around. Um, I will yeah. say too, just to, just to stop the hate mail coming to you, when you say trickle down is a terrible theory, um, it actually was a. It's actually a beautiful. No, theory. I'll stand it's, behind it's just, that. It's just, it's just, <laughs> well, no, but my point is, it's, not, it's, it's a beautiful theory. It's just not right. So when you say it's a terrible theory, you know, this is not an ideological view. Maybe it is actually for you. I'm not sure. I won't put words in your mouth. But the the, the reality is, the evidence suggests that for for all of whatever beauty it may have as a concept. It just doesn't work. So it's not even like you're saying, you know, kind of ideologically I disagree with it, philosophically I disagree with it. You may, again, both on both those counts, but the, 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 very, the very base reality, the literal dollars and cents of this, is it just doesn't work. It, so nice theory, doesn't, doesn't pass the, the reality test. Well, this is the hard thing about economics. They call it a soft science. With mm. physics, I can do a double split uh, experiment and shoot electrons through, and I can measure things <laughs> with a high degree of precision. You know, I can test... Yeah. Economics is hard. We don't have these test tubes, you know, where we can do these very stringent experiments with. So right, there's a right, lot right. of theory, philosophy slash ideology that's sort of out yeah. there, and and yeah. and it, like a lot of these things, they there's there's a there's a great deal of sort of resonance there. It sort of seems mm. to make sense, but after. Mm. You know, many, many, many decades of it demonstrably not <laughs> delivering on its promise. You have to sort of take right. an evidence-based approach and sort right. of say, "Yeah, it sounds good. It wasn't a crazy thing to believe." But mm-hmm. you know, we 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 do have <laughs> test tubes—not perfect test tubes, but in the sense of different countries and different um, economies—and sort of yeah. say, yeah. "Economy A did it this way, and this was the result. Economy B did it this way, and that was the result." And 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 the ones that have sort of pursued that topple. Uh, trickle down theory have just seen a, a massive uh, increase in the gap between rich and poor and a whole bunch of really bad outcomes and it just mm. it doesn't trickle down like it just the evidence isn't there so I'm 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 a scientist by background by training and I, I look for evidence and hey the evidence ain't there so so I can I'm pretty happy to sort of stand behind that one and say that it's absolute BS and I'm sorry if that offends any ideologues out there but that's well thank you half our audience thank you mate um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so look, I think I think it's a great. Prove thing. me wrong. Just, prove no. me wrong, listeners. I was just going to say, prove me wrong. I'd, I'd love. Well, right. I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to think that I'm I'm very good at changing my mind. So if someone was to sort of say, well, Andrew, what you're forgetting is this, and lay out a really mm-hmm. objective, mm-hmm. rational case, I, I, I'm I'm prepared to change my mind. But I just I don't see I don't see any reason to. I'm, I'm looking forward okay. to you changing your mind on on the long held um, issues you have with property. I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my single favourite thing of the of the budget, from an investment perspective, although not for company investment particularly, but for the financial futures, the financial lives, the financial security of every Australian, was the the removal of a minimum pay a minimum pay um, what do you call it a pay slip I suppose minimum dollar value you have to be paid to actually earn mm-hmm. super. I have no idea what the rationale for this was. I didn't look into it, but up until now, if you earn less than four hundred fifty bucks a month. Your employer could say, yeah, no, not giving you super. And yeah. I, for the life of me, have no freaking idea why people thought that, yeah, low income is that. They don't, let's not pay them super. There's no point. Yeah, and it just, it just boggles my mind. So the good news is in this budget, they've basically scrapped that minimum. And now whether you earn a dollar or a million dollars a month, well, it's probably different. Whether you earn a dollar not, or Not everyone earns what you do, Scott. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't, I'm like Linda Evangelista. I don't get out of bed for less than 10 grand. Um, uh, <laughs> like, oh, if, you, if you're not old enough to understand that reference, go and look it up. Um, but this was, this, mate, this was just really... Like, it was just as stupid that it was, that was even in place in the first place. But now, whether you're a part-time worker, young worker, casual worker, you're in and out of the workforce, whatever, you're now going to get super on every dollar you earn. I just think this... It's just spectacularly great... Um, not going to have a huge impact, although 
if you can earn super from, you know, when you start doing your paper rounds or your, you know, um, the old, you know, supermarket checkout chick or sweeping the floor of the hairdressing salon or whatever else you're doing, mm. when you earn money, you get super. And that compound will, will, that will compound meaningfully over a lifetime. I'm just super excited about that one. I assume you're in the same boat. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Why not? And it's a percentage-based thing, right? So, yeah. you know, so if you're only earning That's 300 it. bucks a, a month, it's well, it's, it's only 30 bucks on in super. So, you know, don't cry me a river, right? It's 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 yeah. in, it's eminently affordable. And as we know, the whole point of it there is 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 to uh, help the taxpayer longer term, right? We want we want people to stand on their own feet in retirement and right, not depend right. on the public purse. So, you know, yeah, it's a great thing. Definitely a great thing. Mate, my third in the great category was the early childhood education or childcare uh, changes. So for families with two or more kids, the government will now pay 95% of the childcare cost of the second and subsequent child, um, which I just thought was a really, really smart thing for three reasons. The first is we know that it's uh, good for getting parents, well, frankly, it's mostly women, let's be, let's be honest, call a spade a spade, but um, whichever parent was otherwise staying at home, not able to return to the workforce, should they want to, and that's important, we, we're not saying they should have to, but should they want to, often the cost of childcare was a meaningful barrier. If you can yeah, have a, a second child, go into childcare and get back to work, um, it's good for you. It's great for the economy. Again, we talk about society and the economy. In this case, society first. So the people who want to work hopefully now can, or at least more of them can. Secondly, it's good for the economy because it improves workforce participation. That means more people in the workforce, more people in in the economy. That's a positive. Mm. And hopefully, and this I'll have a little bit of a half and half on this one. Hopefully, great for the kids. I, I'm a massive proponent. I would. There aren't many programs I would put ahead of early childhood education. If you if you made me cancel, you know, put red lines through government spending. I would you would have to you would have to I would have to cancel dozens and dozens and dozens of programs before I remove money for early childhood education. We know how vital that is across the board, but particularly for kids from disadvantaged areas, low socioeconomic backgrounds, who don't have necessarily the the, the education or the, the the kind of development at home. Um, giving all kids a great start in life has got to be for me one of the very 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 basic fundamental human rights that we would want in a society like ours um, to be a bit of a hippie lefty like you um, and I think you know the you know just just simply you know I'm glad that I'm glad the money is being spent uh, by the government I don't love the word childcare because it's not just it shouldn't just be babysitting right it should be active early childhood education for those kids benefit so hopefully most of that will be um, but hard to argue with the money being spent or can you? I, 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 no, I don't argue with that. I, where I do take <laughs> exception with so much in the budget is the term um, uh, spending or expenditure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> I would for, I know that, bear with me. I, I, I would actually see a lot of these things. I think the better, the better term is investment. Yeah. So this is, this costs a lot of money for us taxpayers and the government. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's not just money that we don't get anything back for. We get, a more productive society. So, the, yeah. so I've I've got very strong views on it from a social perspective. Um, yeah. I, I agree with what you said, but yeah. I think what's so interesting about so many of these things. This applies to climate change and a whole range and and, and um, drug policy and a whole range of different things. Is like yes, we're spending a huge amount of money, but what is the return that we get for that? And the return can be just huge over decades and decades and decades. So. It's a great thing. One thing that I'm and I'm not sure of the detail here. You might be able to help me out. Is that mean tested? That no, that child. See, that's that's something that I would I would probably prefer to be in there. I think if you're the if you're a certain you know if you're a power couple and you're earning mm-hmm. five hundred thousand dollars a year, 
you know, whether the government pays for your childcare or not is not a swing factor. So I, yeah. I would, I would sort of say we, what you're trying to do here is influence things at the margin. So that there's a bunch of people who would love to go back to work, but can't because they just can't afford it. Yeah. So, so for them, that's, that's what they need to sort of, to, to make that transition for others yeah. who are earning squillions. That that's not, that's not the swing factor. It's, it's basically yeah. Yeah. middle-class, upper-class welfare, which, which I'm against. I, I just don't think mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, so let me I'm, let me ch- I'm, let me challenge you on that one actually because I, I don't mm-hmm. massively disagree with your sentiment, but we mm-hmm. don't we don't means test public school education for example right and I for me that's why I separate this from childcare not not why actually it's not about the means testing particularly but it's it, it's why I drew a line between childcare slash babysitting and early childhood education if we simply mm-hmm. said primary schools start at three rather than five and those first two years are effectively preschool. And, and the terms actually differ by state, so um, I'm probably trampling over people's individual understanding. In, in New South Wales, uh, primary school starts at five with kindergarten. Uh, there is a you know less formal preschooling, and there's childhood, you know, childcare and babysitting. So for, for me, I would I would I would probably say, and again, I have no problem. I'm not here batting for the the high income earners at all. Um, but to me, it says it, it, I would love to think preschool would become part of our formal education system. And for me, mm. that would be the difference. I would say, right, you know what? From three or from, honestly, matter, do it from two, maybe even younger. You know, be, having having kids have access to really high quality, developmentally appropriate early childhood education should, to me, be part of a social contract we have with each other. Which is, you know what? No matter where you come from, what you do, what you earn, or how, what you don't earn, um, you know, school in air quotes starts at two. And I don't want schools in curriculum. I want schools in preschool, right? But for mine, it's just it's part of that same that same idea, and that's why I would probably not means test it, just because I think it's broader than that. We don't means test public health care the same way. I think it's one of those universal services. But I, I have no problem with means testing either, for what it's worth. Yeah, no, um, uh, that 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 is a fair point. It, it depends how you want to frame it. Is it? I yeah, I, I just I just as a general uh, rule, I, I think the governments should be and, and the budget should be there to incentivize the kinds of things that we want. And it's if if what you're if we're spending money, but it's not it's not changing that incentive structure, then then yeah. why are we kind of doing it? And for a lot yeah. of people, for a lot of programs, it's kind of like we're just giving money to people who would be doing it anyway or wouldn't be doing yeah. it anyway, and that it just yeah. seems like. No, that's fair. That's totally right. I'm not strongly either either way, but to me, it's just it's it's part of the few things that we do: law and order, health, education. We provide universally. It just strikes me that should be an education component rather than a, rather than a, a welfare component or, or a, you know an income support component. But yeah, yeah, that's Mate, fair. So like, as they say, it's it's complicated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it, I, exactly. Let's go to the so what I've called the the not bad but not obviously great categories. Um, and we won't spend too much time on these that it's worth having to think about. So the first one for me, well, you'll, you actually, I say that, I just look at the second point, you're going to spend a very long time on this. So I'll try, <laughs> I'll try not to talk too much. You can talk for a while and we'll see where we get to. Um, first one is the $10 billion being put into aged care is obviously necessary. We know from the Royal Commission that was needed, desperately needed. It will come with rules around the type and amount of nursing, nursing care, for example, which is great. The Royal Commission was just uncovered an absolute debacle of, a, of an aged care system and you know, ten billion dollars is, is wonderful. Why is that's not obviously great? Is because the Royal Commission wanted eighteen billion. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I I I I'm not. I haven't looked into the Royal Commission findings well enough to know what they may have overdone or like everything. If they've gold-plated stuff, maybe you don't need eighteen million dollars. But I have to say, given the circumstances, to kind of go, yeah, yeah, really big issue. We'll fund half of the things you think we need to fund. I'm like, oh, that doesn't quite feel like they've kind of come to the party. Is that is that reasonable? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. A- again, there's so much nuance <laughs> in all of this kind of stuff. So we all focus on the headline figures. It seems yep. like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I mean, it probably should be more money. But yeah, right. but then the, the more important question is is what's around that. There's there's plenty of situations where throwing mm. more money at things. It's, it's, just, it's just, you know... Um, it's just it's just throwing uh, bad money after good, and yeah. and it might not necessarily do anything. There's yeah, government spending in a lot of ways can just be very inefficient, and a lot of uh, people can benefit that. Look look at look at what happened with the um, the COVID app, right? So they yeah. they farmed yeah. that out to yeah, some of the big right. IT consulting firms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as someone who owns an IT business, I just fell off my chair when I heard not not a bit of a segue here, but I do have a point. You know that that thing cost a hundred whatever million dollars to build and 200 grand a month to run it's like give me a break like there's no way that that thing costs that much so you spent a bunch yeah, of money right. on something right. that needed to have a bunch of money spent on it but you, you the, the the investment the return on the investment was awful for something that was wrong and so my point being is, is that yes i think it, you're right to sort of say it's 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 overall a good thing we, we do need to be spending money here we just yeah. need to make sure that we're spending it in an appropriate way and that there are appropriate checks and balances around that so a yeah. bunch of uh, yeah. organizations and people aren't just sort of you know g- g- able to skim more off the top and it sounds cynical but it, <laughs> yeah. but, but it happens you know we know it happens right like it it's happens hard to again and again and again generally it really is difficult to try and and no matter no matter the area the circumstance it, but not even, not even necessarily money to not money to non-government business or private businesses even money within governments when you've got to start and this is a hard thing we talk about the economy and society is different and they are when you have to start funding things that don't have easily measurable payoffs mm. you know how much money do you give to schools how much money do you give to research and development how much money do you, and it's like a research involves a fascinating one and anyone who was on this podcast between your your two appearances your your original mm-hmm. and your re, your return um, would say we should spend more on it and he's I kind of think conceptually he's right but I'm like okay but but someone tell me how much is is enough and how much is too much and not, not to say he's wrong necessarily just that 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 question of like I I still don't have a really good framework like if you put two zeros on it is that enough probably not mm. if you take a zero mm. off is that too little probably mm. but but where do you kind of how much do you spend on, on education? Where, where, how much do you spend on, on R&D? How much do you spend on, you know, whatever they are? It is, it's really, really difficult stuff to try and nail down, isn't it? It's, it's super hard. And, and it's hard because you spend money today and you hope to get a return many years down the track. Right, exactly. And, 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 yeah. and measuring that return yep. is difficult. Yep. And, and the nature, like R&D is a classic example, right? So you don't, you don't know until you do the R&D as to yeah. whether or not there's yeah. any payout. Right. And drug, exactly. com- yes. drug companies yes. know this, right? They throw a bunch yeah. of money at R&D and then sort of like <laughs> one in 20 might work. And, and yeah, hopefully right. that, that makes it. But, but you, don't know, you don't know until you try. So, know, and, yeah. and then the other complication is, is the opportunity cost one. So mm-hmm. I think any, all of us would agree that the more we spend on it, the, the better the outcomes we've got. But money we right, spend right. there, we're not spending else, elsewhere. And so yes, exactly. it's a very tricky balancing act. So... Really hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, and, sometimes I'm glad it's not me, mate. That's got to make the decision just quietly. Like I just think that sort of stuff. As I, you know, the, the science minister comes and says we've got to spend twice as much on innovation. Okay, Treasury says yeah. we should spend half on innovation. Okay, I, you know, I, I don't even know how you even start. Again, conceptually, there's a whole lot of people yelling at the podcast machine now, saying, "Of course you should spend more." A whole lot of people saying, well, "Of course you should spend." Oh, mate, like, let's use a really an easier one: the arts, right? Those people, yeah. you know, where, where do you? How much do you spend on the arts? And it's a really, really tough thing to do. And if you literally started, you know, one of the cool things in, or, or the cool in air quotes, things in corporate America in particular these days is what they call zero-based budgeting. 
You know, in the old days, you set up you set a company corporate budget by saying, "Well, we spent a million dollars on headcount last year. Let's just increase that by five percent." And and our you know our stationary cost was this much. Let's increase that by three percent for inflation. And so people create budgets based on last year's spend. Mm-hmm. Zero based budgets say start with a blank sheet. Now yep. design your business and tell me how much money you need for each of the things you want to do. And Man, can you imagine trying to zero-base the Australian budget and say how much for art, how much for innovation, how much for R&D, how much for public schools, how much for childcare, how much for, you know, welfare research. Like it, 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 I don't, don't know how you would do it. Like, it'd blow my it's mind hard. trying to get it done. It, it's hard. And, and then there's also the other thing as well, whereas I've sort of said before that we should view it as investment and the return that we get on yes. it. But there are a lot oh, of yeah. things where there's a, there's a non-monetary investment. So right. yeah, exactly. let's, let's yeah. say for the sake of argument yeah, that, yeah. well... Yep. This is actually probably not far from the truth. There's there's probably no economic benefit to yep. giving uh, elderly our elderly relatives uh, a high quality of life in in their sunset years. Right, I mean, exactly. where's 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 the economic payback? Yeah. Yep. Now there's none. But but at the same time, it's just like, what well, does that mean that you know we we feed them dog food and put them in like a, a dank cardboard box? Well, of course not. There, there are some yeah. things that sort of go beyond that where you sort of Correct. say Correct. there is absolutely no return on this. But yep. it's the right thing to do. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. again, it's complicated. It really is, mate. I, this is one you're not going to have a view on, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to house prices for a minute. Um, this one was, and I, 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 so this is why this is in my good but not great, or good but you know not not great but not not terrible section is basically the government guaranteeing housing deposits for single parents. So the new the, the view here is single parents find it hard to get into housing because it's devilishly hard to save the deposit. We all know that. So the government's saying, look, you know what? We will guarantee your deposit. All you need to save is 2% rather than the usual 5 to 10 to 20, depending on which bank and whether you want to pay lenders, mortgage insurance, all that kind of stuff. This is supposed to be a leg up for single parents into the housing market, which I don't think many people can complain about. It seems like a very reasonable, very appropriate thing to do. We know that stability for families, for kids is important. Um, and just for mental health, so back to that society thing, right? Just knowing you've got a roof over your head, um, being able to put down roots, those things are, are important ideas that we as society think are, are appropriate and desirable. And so giving single parents a chance, a better chance to do that feels like a really, really good thing. But is this the right way to do it? Well, is it the, well, is it the right thing to do? And is this the right way to do it? Well, I... <sighs> you're, you're right. I'm going to have a long run up on this. So, oh, I absolutely it, know that. <laughs> you know, uh, so, many, so many of these policies are noble in intention, but the the... The impact of it ultimately, for a lot of them, just tends to drive up house prices. So it doesn't actually right. solve let's, let's the Let's separate them quickly. Before, you, before you're doing you too much, I'm going to step in front of you, stop you, run up for a second. <laughs> separate those for me, just, just, yeah. just because it's important, right? Yeah. So yeah. It, is, is, the, is the idea or the, the, the concept the right one or is it the wrong one? And then talk about whether they're doing it the right way. I, I think you need to go... I, I think there's a, there's a preposition in, in this that that the only way to get security and all of those good things that you mentioned is to own a home. Right. And I would say, <laughs> this, we've had this conversation before, I, I would say, well, <laughs> well I, I would, what I would personally do is I think there are huge reforms that are needed to the rental market. Right. Um, there's the, the, like in Europe, people rent for life and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they right. have all Germany, the security right. and all the advantages yeah, yeah, yeah. that they have. And yeah, you're paying rent every week, but geez, if you're paying a 2% deposit, guaranteed or not with the other part component of that, in, in many situations, I, it, even with ridiculously low interest mm. rates, I reckon the interest bill you're paying is very comparable to rent anyway. So don't, yeah, don't right. kid yourself that, that, that they're necessarily <laughs> different. So as, yeah. a, as someone who does rent, 
you yeah. know, and someone who's had five houses in seven years because we yeah. continually get kicked out. It's I've mentioned to you before, it's the biggest so mistake I ever made. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just like what, what I didn't factor yeah. in to yeah. my calculations yeah. was, was yeah. The, the security element. And and mm-hmm. when you're a single mum and you're the people who are struggling, I mean, it's, yes, a home, the value of owning a home is, is, yeah. is that you do have that security. And I think that is, that there's more than one way to solve it. I think we could go a long way by, by improving the imbalance between landlords and, and tenants in a way that is fair and yeah, equitable right. and good good for all. So I, I think that that's something that's always overlooked. It's part of the Australian psyche that yep. it's all about home ownership. It's a religion <laughs> in this country, yep. right? Yep. And it's it's and for a lot of good reasons. But I just think that we've got to get away from this notion that you know renting is 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 bad and that there's yeah, you know. Right. It doesn't have to be. And again, to my initial point on the conversation, um, we have test tubes from around the world, decades and decades and decades of history yeah, where we've right. seen seen yeah, these right. models work. So you kind of yeah, think, yeah. well, yeah. we don't have to we don't have to guess as to whether this works. We've seen many many examples in many developed countries, particularly in Europe, where where it works phenomenally well. So yeah. I, I'd probably yeah. go back a step and say that. Um, and I'd also say this too is so. Let's say I, I do scrape together. What's two percent on a million dollars, mate? I, I should be able to do that. It's like uh, twenty, 20 grand. grand. Yep. So, um, so I, I saved to get twenty grand. I'm still for an. I'm just going off the average um, house price in Sydney, which is a million dollars, or is it the median? One of those yeah. two. Yeah. It's yeah. still nine hundred eighty thousand dollars debt that I've got there, whether yeah. part of that is guaranteed or not. Right yeah. now, I've I've got to pay that back at some stage, and I've got to service <laughs> that a, a, as well. Yeah. So, yeah. we've we've had we saw this in Perth a few years ago as well. A lot, a lot of sort of people getting into the housing market for all of the right reasons. It actually ended up being a massive weight around their neck and, and a huge uh, e- economic um, uh, negative mm. for them be, because. Mm. <laughs> It doesn't always go up, and and there, there's a huge burden with servicing these kinds of things. So it's sort of like, yeah, it gets you in, but but a, it's like a it's like a pet, you know. <laughs> a home is for life in a lot of ways, and if you're if you're getting a mortgage in on for a, life anyway, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, the average mortgage is what thirty years, twenty thirty years, or yeah. something like that. So we're, yeah. we're actually saying to people, yeah, we're going to help you get into this situation for very good reasons, <laughs> but we're also yeah. going to make sure we lock you. We're gonna we're gonna put this massive yoke around your neck where you now have this huge debt that you have yeah. to that you have to service so it's not it's not as black and white as it seems i think and let me don't get me wrong i i, I think overall it's a positive move but i just think yeah. it's not as obvious and as clear-cut as the government likes to pretend that it is i think that's, I think that's largely true i i'm a little bit more sanguine than you on the home ownership thing in the sense that i think there's as i've said many times i'll probably say a million times again there's a difference between mathematically the, the best advice and the right advice for people and that they can yeah. do different things and i think so true the, the the whole enforced saving thing i mean you don't you don't you don't know enforce saving a stupidly overvalued property and, and as, as i have a millstone for years but i do yeah. think there is a and you know the, the maths would say for example it's arguably better maybe not even arguably to invest in shares rather than own a house and keep paying rent because the money you you generate investing and compounding will more than truly cover your rent relative to a mortgage. So that was my thinking. Do, if you do one or the other. Mm. Sorry, mate? Sorry to interrupt. So that, that was my thinking. That was the whole basis right, of my right. decision to rent. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, you're an unusual, in a good way, character. Um, for most people, the, the average person listening to this, or, or frankly people, I, I, I won't name people I know, but people I know, um, would get to 65, <laughs> ha- have paid rent, and somehow managed to fritter away the other money they otherwise could have been investing. And so they end up with the worst of both worlds, right? No assets and uh, uh, rent to yeah. pay on a pension or something else. And so I, I do yeah. think 
behavioural, behavioural finance that we know about. I think for most people, if you can retire with a wholly paid or largely paid off house, it, it the, you know, the, the security of not not even just the home in and of itself, but the fact that you, you don't have to pay rent in retirement is its own benefit that I think is probably good for the vast, vast bulk of people. And again, not... This financial advice is always hard, right? The difference between mathematically, rationally, what's absolutely correct versus what are most people, what should most people just do instead, aren't always yep. the same thing. I say that a lot. I'll keep saying it because it's it's one it's of the right. hallmarks I think of good financial advice, right? Is you know what should I do is not what mathematically would make the most sense. They're, they're very different things. I hundred percent, hundred percent agree. It only it only makes sense if 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 you if you take the capital that you otherwise would have spent on a property, invested that with a lot of discipline, with a lot of endurance over many many years. Yeah, makes yeah. makes actually a huge amount of sense. It's a, a, a ridiculous amount of sense. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you don't, then it's it's yeah, it's all for naught. Correct. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's move on to the next one, mate. And we'll try and keep this quick. This one is interesting. I I think I like it, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be persuaded either way. This was the extension of the instant tax write-off for businesses less than $5 yeah. billion dollars in turnover. So basically, the idea is, and we won't get a tax law too detailed here. Effectively, if you if you buy if you bought a car in the old old days, air quotes old days because I'm old, um, you could claim I don't know what the numbers are. Let's say it was a five year use for life. You could depreciate a fifth of that, twenty percent of that every year, and then claim it on tax. So if I bought it, I'm going to make my maths really easy, mate, because it makes my life easier. Um, yep. If I bought a fifty thousand dollar car, I could claim ten thousand dollars of that on tax over the following five years, because yep. the the argument goes it's an ongoing asset, it's a useful asset. So, you know, it depreciates. It eventually is worth nothing, but you get to claim the depreciation is the expense, not the actual upfront purchase. And that makes mathematical accounting logical sense. A couple of years ago, the government ratcheted this up. It was 25 grand, then it was 50 grand. I think it was 150 grand or something this year. Um, mm. Basically, it, now, now it's like any asset. Anything you buy, if you're doing under $5 billion of turnover, you can basically claim it on tax straight away. Mm. Now, I'm so here's where I'm, here's where I'm a bit torn. Firstly, it doesn't really hurt the budget because it just brings the tax deduction forward. So instead of, instead of 10 grand over five years, it's 50 grand now, then nothing over the next four years. So it's kind of the same thing. I mean, there's, there's a, I mean, interest is zero, but there's, there's a slight timing cost, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but realistically, so, you know, no real budget impact. Um, does it incentivize businesses to buy stuff they wouldn't have otherwise needed? Yeah, that's probably bad. Uh, plenty of tradies with new Hiluxes who probably should have got a couple of years out of the old one just for purely financial reasons. Um, does it help businesses who get that business? Yes. It also, though, kind of makes... I mean, this can never go away, right? Because the second you announce it goes away, everyone goes and buys everything for June 30, and no one buys anything for three months. And so all yeah. those car sellers and that stationary office furniture, they're going to do no business for three or four straight months. It's a sugar, a sugar hit. bought it, right? Right, and yep. you can't take the sugar away. Mm, what do you... What yep. do you what, so so I, I'm really torn. I, I get the value. I, I don't know that for small businesses, depreciating that stuff really makes any sense anyway because, they, you know, small businesses run on cash. They don't run on accrual accounting. So I, I yep. kind of think it's a net positive but in saying that kind of has to be here forever now how, how do you feel about it am i right am i wrong am i missing the point yeah no i, I agree with a lot of that i mean i'll just put my hand up and say i i, I haven't i don't have the expertise or have not thought deeply <laughs> enough about it to have a really informed view i do i do owe to your comment though where i i think for a lot of small businesses you know if you're doing it super tough and this is it might not be enough of a swing factor it'll definitely help yeah. i actually yeah. was listening to the radio last night on the way to dropping the kids somewhere and there was uh someone from a small business lobby group saying actually it's not it's not that great which was, i thought was really okay. interesting so um 
Yeah, I don't I don't have a strong view on that one. Interesting, I like it, mate. Yep. Uh, last one for me in this area is the tax break for innovation. Now, I talked about innovation before in R&D. I didn't actually do that deliberately. I should have kept that thought till now. Mm. Uh, the government's saying if you're in it, I think it's just biotech, but generally speaking, if you've got a patent and you make some money from that, when you make the profit from that new in- innovation, new invention, the new patent, we're going to tax you at 17% rather than the 25 corporate tax rate for small and medium businesses and 30% for big businesses. And the idea is to kind of reward innovation. I am... I think this is okay, it's fine. But when people give tax breaks for this sort of stuff, it kind of blows my mind, right? So if I'm, if I'm a business and I invent a new patent and it goes nowhere, I lose all that money and I get no benefit. Mm-hmm. If I invent a new patent that goes spectacularly, well, I make $100 million in profit, okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I pay, I pay you know, $17 million in tax rather than $25 million in tax, that matters. Mm-hmm. But I'm still left with more than $75 million under any of those scenarios, in which case, yes. where's the yep. incentive? I just, it feels to me like it's a bit of a... Same. Either it's, going to, either it's going to create no new activity or it's just a basically a free hit for those business in that sector who are going to do it anyway. And like, well, we're yeah. going to do it anyway because I made a lot of money and sure, pay less tax. Okay, fine, if you want to. But it was like we weren't going to do it because we didn't want the 75 million after tax. They're going to do it because it's, it's profitable either way, aren't they? Yep, 100, 110% agree with, with that. It, it, it is, it is it's, it's all about the incentive. People, are, what problem are we trying to fix here? What bio, there's not enough biotech yeah. companies yeah, out right. there investing. There's plenty of them. And, and maybe, maybe it does help a little bit, but I don't, I don't think anyone in this space is a swing factor. And, you know, this, this whole idea, it's, it's like with other things too, where, you know, mm. we get into this race to the bottom with different mm. states trying to offer lower tax, corporate tax rates to attract people. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, it, it, it is the best, I've often said this, is the best problem in the world is having a huge tax bill. And, <laughs> right, and yeah. It, it is, you know, I'm so yeah. frustrated yeah. hearing people yeah. complain about it. The only way you pay tax, a lot of tax, yeah. is by earning yeah. a lot of money, you know? So it's kind of like, here's your choice. Don't make much and you don't have to pay much tax or make a squillion <laughs> and pay a lot of tax. I'll make a squillion things and pay, exactly. net, net, after everything is said and done, I'm, I'm always better off. Now, there's, yeah. there's a big spectrum there and you can move the dial along that. So that, that's a more nuanced debate. But yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with your point. Yeah, nice. All right. Um, the last one, or let's listen to the next one. We'll try and make this a bit quicker, mate. Um, so a couple of stuff I don't think is awesome. Um, I, I'm, I, I am on record as being a believer in the science of climate change and there was a little bit of kind of sprinkling money so they could say we're doing something but nothing really meaningful and fundamental there. Uh, university funding is falling. And again, if we want to be a smart, innovative nation, giving tax breaks, but they're not, pe- not putting place in university makes no sense to me. No. Um, there, was, there, was some, there was some money being thrown around for tax on microbreweries and some job support for the video gaming industry, which I kind of thought, even if you could justify the actual spending to pick those two industries out, was just kind of weird and unnecessary. And it's like, didn't we, didn't we finish picking winners when we stopped subsidizing the car industry? That, that just... That struck me kind of just a little bit, a little bit bizarre. Um, yeah. Your thoughts on any, any or all of those? I, I think I think the government had missed an incredible opportunity in terms of the investment they could have made with clean energy. Um, okay, they had a blank check from 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 the population. So, so yeah, we right. were we when when COVID hit and it was just like we need money, we need it now, we need stimulus, and the government, to their credit, threw a bunch of money at it. Mm-hmm. They could have thrown a lot of it at at the renewable sector. Mm-hmm. And so still achieve the same result with huge stimulus, 
but yeah. also did all this nation building kind of stuff. And I know, because you had to preface it there, it's like, oh, it feels, you feel these days you kind of have to say, oh, look, yeah, I, I do believe in it, but I don't want to have a bit of an argument. Screw that, my friend. I'm happy to sort of come out here and say, I'm unashamedly doing it. Because look, you get to a point where it's sort of like, you, you can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. Yeah, and yeah, we're, at, we're totally. at a point, but we're at a point, what am I mean talking about? We've been at a point for decades now where it's just sort of like, it's just, if I was about to get onto a plane and 99 engineers came up to me and said, <laughs> uh, I would not get on that plane. We've checked it. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't yeah, look good. And then one guy yeah, says, no, could, I think it's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. Get onto it. You know, are you going to get on that plane? And that's, that's the exact situation with it. So I, I put that to one side. And if I've upset anyone there, well, I'm not actually that sorry. Um, uh, but, but then I would, I would actually separate. I think we, we're at the point now where we can actually separate that out of it so and let's just look at it from hardcore economic sort of perspective so it's it's actually it's just cheaper now right it's 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 so so if let's go it's it's like with the housing conversation i had before with renting let's (laughs) let's go back a step what what do we really want here well we want reliable cheap energy and Mm -hmm. i think we want a cleaner environment (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think yep, I think yep. everyone can agree on that. So then it's a yep. question of saying, well, objectively, what's going yeah. to deliver that to us? And mm-hmm. it, this isn't this isn't 1987 where you know the the, the costs <laughs> of these technologies are you know where they're unproven. We know that they they work incredibly incredibly well. Um, yep. So why not do it? And I, I, I fear, I don't fear, I, I, I bet my left arm on it, that it's just, it's too <laughs> ideologically driven. They are, it's like yeah. that, it's like that train wreck of an interview on Sky, I don't know if you saw during mm. the week with um, mm. that minister. Uh, he just basically refused to acknowledge that battery could back up a wind farm. You know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> even if you're against it, you just, you just would not do we, it. That, that was remarkable. If you, if, so listen, I'm, yeah, I, I always, we, we know the, audio capabilities to include that in the in the podcast and some people will be coalition supporters and voters who won't appreciate me making fun of it but i swear to god that is clark and door central just just look up look up keith pitt um sky news um it it was it was embarrassing farcical mate and it was one of those it honestly it was it was the front fell off by clark and door yes it was exactly one of those it was just it was it was um, satire pure satire (laughs) I'm always impressed with how well Keith Pitt manages to avoid answering the question. Like he yeah. actually, you know, he, 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 you know there's, there's a small amount of me which is like, I, I'm actually impressed that given that given you decided to avoid answering the question, you managed to avoid it in four different ways. Um, but it is, it is, my satire, satire is dead. That was, that's why I yeah. tweeted actually, satire is dead. It is yeah. absolutely bizarre. Anyway. So, so look again, I, I, I just, I just think, you know, let's, let's stop having the, the conversation of whether yeah. it's true or not with climate change. It, it, by the way, it's true. Um, but let's stop having that conversation and let's just look at it like <laughs> hardcore capitalists. And if you look at it like hardcore far right capitalists, you have to conclude that this mm-hmm. is a, this is a cheaper, better, safer technology. And so let's, let's mm-hmm. do it. Right. <laughs> It's it's yeah, it's crazy, very funny, very funny. All right, um, so let's last one, mate. Then we'll wrap this budget chat up. And this is the big one, the the one point two trillion dollar problem or issue or whatever you want to call it, is the amount of government debt we are going to have at the end of what the budget likes to call the forward estimates. Which I, I love the budget budget <laughs> argument. I'm such a nerd. Um, the end of the forward estimates, one point two, I think trillion dollars in debt. No plan to pay it off, no plan to reduce it, no plan to pay it down, no plan to deal with it whatsoever. And I should say, we're recording this on Thursday as we always do. Um, I hope, I, I, I expect, well, when I say expect, I don't think it'll happen. 
but I, I we should be we should be able to expect both the government and the opposition have a plan, can enunciate a plan for getting that debt back to some sort of normalcy. This can't be the new mm. normal, surely. Putting, I know, I know people don't. There's people out there who will yell at me when I say this because it's the old you know, government budget isn't a household budget. I know, I know, I get it, people. Mm. So you're back back the heck off. Um, but um, but you know. Y- we we had a great holiday last year. It wasn't a great holiday. We we dug ourselves out of a hole. But effectively, we spent we spent some money on on the old corporate you know country credit card to get us out of a hole. And then we're like, you know what? Let's pay that off slowly over some multiple decades, including leaving it for the kids. And I just for the life of me, mate, I cannot stomach the concept of yeah, debt doesn't matter, or well, we don't need to pay it back, or let's just wait for growth to inflate it away. Like we literally borrowed from the future. To dig ourselves out of a hole, and we did, and great. So we, you know, we did exactly the right thing to do. Had the right effect, but you know what? If you, if I, if I borrow a tenner to get home because I've lost my wallet on the train, I pay you back the next day. I don't say, mate. Look, what I'm going to do is, I know I was in a bit of a spot. And I really appreciate you lending me the money. And it was the right thing for me to borrow it from you, but I'm going to pay. Actually, I'm not going to pay you back. I'm just going to let my my son know that when I'm gone, he can pay some of that money back. Is that all right with you? I mean, it it, it mm-hmm. boggles my mind that neither of them are going to man up if we, if I can use the gendered phrase. And actually, bloody set a plan. Don't have to pay it back today, but set a plan for actually paying back the largest that we used. Well, you know what? Paying it back is going to be harder if we keep giving all these tax cuts. Away, I would <laughs> well, that's, say that's the problem, right? There is no plan. Know, that the, yeah. the budget is structurally imbalanced and getting worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it drives me nuts. This is where it's 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 easy to be cynical, and I, I put my hand up. I probably am at the point of of peak cynicism at this point but I mean it's an election budget right you know who doesn't love a tax cut and and all the rest of it this kind of stuff but it's just sort of like it's it's uh, uh, we we, we need if we need to pay for certain things whether that's aged care or education or innovation or all of these things that we all agree is good well it needs to come from somewhere right and um, so you need to think of that the other thing I'd say in terms of debt is that this is this is a really nuanced and a very difficult conversation. And interestingly enough, you can go to the to the the, the expert the global ex- economic experts, and they don't seem <laughs> to have a good handle on this either. Is mm. is just how much debt is too is too much? It's a, it's yeah. a really tricky question. It's more yeah, about. Yeah. It's a good John Oliver on this actually uh, the other week. He's talking about the U.S. deficit and budget, mm, but it's mm. it's more about what the debt is used for. So I'll give you another yep. example. So you, you've given the one of borrowing uh, a tenner to get home in a taxi. What if I could borrow, and I'm borrowing if I'm the government, at, I'm borrowing money virtually for free for the next 30 years. Close enough, yeah. It's not, it's not so much about the debt, but it's the return I get. And that if you will lend me 100 bucks and say, oh, I'll, I'll lend that to you at 2%, and mm. I'm super confident that I can get a 10% return on that, I should mm. borrow as much as I can. Right, like it's it's going to it's it's going to be very very beneficial to me. And if I'm if I'm if I if I'm also using that money not only to generate a return for myself, mm-hmm. but to add some really important things to make um, our society better, then then there is an argument to be to be said for that. So mm-hmm. if you're going to spend if you're going to borrow a bunch of money and then go and play the pokies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's 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 different. So, yeah, right. so, so, I just want to make the point that yes, you're right. At, at a point, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, a, a lot yeah, of yeah. In, in in history, you, you can reach a point where it just it becomes crippling and it's bad for everyone. But it's it's at the same time, interest rates are super low. The government can borrow yeah. money really effectively. There's a whole bunch of areas that we need to spend money on that we will get really good returns on, whether that's direct economic returns or just societal returns. Um, so, yeah. for me, it's more about 
how we're spending that money, um, and also too just being a bit careful that we aren't we aren't st- structurally hobbling ourselves so it just becomes impossible to pay it back. That, that's my so my issue is twofold. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said, with the exception that, and I actually also accept no one has a, a perfect answer for this, but we had a level of debt before, and we got a much higher level of debt now. Mm. At some point, I don't maybe that point is is a billion trillion gazillion dollars, right? But at some point. Mm people aren't going to lend us any more money or we're going to have to pay a lot for it or we're going to default on it and mm. cause a whole lot of massive dramas. Mm. And I think for me that the, the, the if, if someone wants to convince me that a trillion dollars is fine, then okay. But is two trillion fine? Is five trillion fine? Because at some point we're going to have another crisis and we're going to need the government to put their hands in their pockets for more money. And unless you take a view, and I guess you could, I don't, but you could take a view that the matter never ever ever matters no matter what, no matter how big it is. If you take that view, then you really don't care. But most of the commentary I'm saying is, oh, a bit more borrowing is fine. Yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, that's, I will accept that line if you tell me how much would be too much. Mm. Or at least accept that there is a level which, which, which somehow is too much. Because if, if we're going to keep borrowing, I mean, the, the whole, honestly, this, this is what gets me right. The whole idea breaks down at some point. If, if governments around the world keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and effectively, at worst, that just creates massive inflation because... They're just creating more money and borrowing from more people. It's got to be paid back. This, again, speaking of Clark and Dor, there's some great Clark and Dor stuff on uh, some of the GFC stuff about money not being yeah. paid back. It's just spectacular. Yeah. But um, like, yeah, I, I just, I just don't. You know, if you if you can if you can, you know, take revenue of a hundred, borrow one hundred and ten over and over and over and over again, and then I'm just getting mm. bigger and no one cares. I mean, it's, at some point, it's just a Ponzi, isn't it? I, I, I don't know how there is not a, a maximum somewhere that someone says, okay, that's probably too much, but we're miles away from that or we're close to that or halfway to that or whatever. Otherwise, the whole thing breaks down, doesn't it? Oh, these, oh, I'm, I'm really trying to restrain myself here because there's a rabbit hole in front of me that's, that's very tempting <laughs> to go down. Stay away, stay away. Um, but briefly, there is a... Well, it's actually not that new, but it's having a bit of a resurgence amongst some very serious people, this idea of modern monetary theory, which actually says exactly that. It doesn't matter. You know, so the one thing where governments are different is that governments can create money. <laughs> they, can, yeah. they can invent it. They, you yeah. know, they can turn the printing presses on, you know, um, uh, and, and that's actually fine, according to mm. this theory, so long as, and you've already mentioned it, so long as inflation doesn't get out of control. Correct. So that's that's probably the more important But also don't forget, they, they argue that taxes can be used to do the same thing as debt. Like, I, I think they kind mm. of turn the whole thing 90 degrees, but the same constraints actually apply, which is you can pretend that interest matter or don't, or taxes matter or don't, or debt matters or doesn't, yeah. but the whole thing is still the same size balloon, right? Like, it's you know, you blow it at a certain point, if inflation gets out of control... Then yeah. that is the problem. How do you fix it then? Well, well, I don't, you know, it's. I, I, yeah. I think the concept works while it works, but I don't see the I don't see the out of bounds of MMT having a solution for. Oh, and when the when the, you know, well, we we'll just hope it doesn't happen, or we'll make sure it doesn't happen. It's like no, no, but when it does, mm. what are you? No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, mm. no, we know. And but in the real world, when it does happen, what are you going to do about? it? That's the bit I yeah. don't. It's one of those theories, a bit like that we started with the theories of you know trickle down. It's like nice idea, but what happens when it doesn't actually come to pass? Well, mm. no, it will because it's right. Yeah, but what I, it does? Yeah, that's the. I, I, I don't see yeah. that and being answered anyway. I, 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 the short answer is I don't know. And er, every time I've tried to read up on it or even watch YouTube videos <laughs> on it or, you know, whatever, I just, yep, I find yep. that it's one of these, it's one of these areas that's super complicated and you can have some of the brightest, best respected <laughs> economists in the world argue one you point of view, <laughs> you and I, and then you've got <laughs> others that will argue a different point of view and they're both good arguments. And so yeah. I don't, I don't, I have actually, 
I actually haven't reached a conclusion on it. So I'm, I'm actually desperate for someone to sort of lay it out for me in a way that I can yeah. wrap my, my little brain around because yeah. I, I, I instinctively, uh, instinctively, I think you're, you're, you're right that there's definitely a point. I just have no idea at what point that becomes a serious problem and what we might forego in the meantime. I don't know. But can, can yeah. say, without going down too far down the MMT rabbit hole, because you're right, we've done that already, but the other thing they don't deal with is international trade, have you noticed? So they, yeah. in a closed economy, I think MMT works in a closed economy. In a completely mm. closed economy with a single currency, it makes perfect sense. Mm. But what it doesn't allow for is the effect of your internal systems and balances and checks and you know settings and whatever so i'm talking about you know interest rates inflation economic growth all that sort of stuff on mm. your exchange rate when you know for australia for example you know if if the if the settings were internally fine but destroyed the exchange rate in either direction mm. it destroys our exports or our imports i i i've not seen anyone's describe that because the idea as you say of like closed economy governments create their own money so it doesn't really matter it's like yeah but if someone's creating a lot of money in that country but no money in that country the difference is there like i i, I haven't yet seen anyone well explained the international trade implications the other problem I have with MMT it's it's a bit like communism in the sense that um, <laughs> it's, it's actually I think you're right, I think you're do, you right. Know what, do you know what I mean like it, you kind of communism is yep. actually a really great <laughs> I'm going to out yeah, myself as right, a yeah. commie He's I'm not a commie it's one of those things that in theory perfectly executed is, is probably yeah. great and probably yeah, better yeah. But, yep. But, yep. but it's just not likely to be so Correct. it just you know yeah yeah, <laughs> it's, it's complicated. Right. I shouldn't. I it's shouldn't have brought MMT up, but uh, yeah. I look back, back look, to finish it. Put a line under this. I, I think you're right. I think Please. we it should not be laissez faire. We should we should um, we should not just spend like there's no tomorrow and not worry about the debt. Yeah, right. At the same time, at the same time, um, I'm more comfortable with it if we if we're getting good returns on the money that we are borrowing. There you go. Let's uh, let's let's use that as a segue because. I want to talk very briefly about one of the lines in the budget, but also the impact it's having on some companies in Australia. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The iron ore price. I've, I think I, I'm sure I must have. I've already about the margins of iron ore here on this podcast. I'm sure I have. You would, you would not have. Are you nodding at me or not? You're smiling like I'm trying to... I'm smiling because I know what you're going to say because I just know you so well. But I, right. whether you're not, you've mentioned it on the podcast, I'm not sure. So the iron ore price is currently 200 and something dollars a ton. Mm-hmm. The cost of getting out of the ground is 20, actually less than $20 a ton. That is 90% gross margins for iron ore. They are better than software margins, where software is supposed to be the best business model ever invented by none. And these guys have been digging stuff out of the ground for decades and centuries, have actually beaten software at their own game on margins, which yep. for some people is like, well, hey, how good's this? For the rest of us yeah. who actually know a bit of economic history, is like, oh, that's going to end badly. <laughs> and I think that's so... So what I was really yeah. pleased about, mate, so, so one of the good things for the budget, which is very dry, but still good, Treasury have assumed that the iron ore price falls from $200 a ton back to $55 a ton next year. Yep. That's and I sensible. think that is super, super smart, conservative and thoughtful. Because if it doesn't happen, hey, if we get 60, 80, 100, great. We've got some more money than we thought we'd get. Yep. If it does happen, then thank God they didn't bloody set a budget expectations on the current level of iron ore price. It is just economically impossible for over the long run, unless you, unless you control literally the world's supply of something and you can't, no, no others can be invented or found, no other substitutes can be invented or found. Um, no, no alternative options, processes, mm. source materials um, can be found. Eventually, when someone finds more iron ore and starts supplying it, the price is going to come back to the marginal cost of production roughly. So that's yep. 30, 40, 50 bucks a ton, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was really, really excited to see that Treasury do that. I will say iron ore 
share price are flying. The BHP share price, I think, hit a record. Rio is pretty high. Fortescue is doing fantastically well. Um, mm. So, I, you know, we, we, we mentioned before the podcast, I don't know if you have a separate point to make, but I just in this case, A, great, wonderful, good for the budget, good for royalties, good for iron ore company shareholders. Please be careful. <laughs> if, you, if your view is, hey, this will go on forever, I'd, I just invite you to have a look at the old supply-demand curve uh, from year eight economics or commerce and, and ask yourself why you think the economy, uh, you know, no, no further supply will come on stream to, to push that iron ore price down. Just remar- find, uh, remarkably unlikely, I think. Yep, no, I, I I will bet my left arm and yours on on the fact that 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 will happen. The timing of that, who who can say? Look, there's there's some problems with the other um, major global suppliers of iron ore. China continues to want to hoover it up. We've got the best stuff on the planet. It's going to be great for a time. It, it really is. And 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 these companies should be making hay while the sun shines. It's fantastic. I just mm. caution it from an investment point of view is. One of the dangerous things with with investing is extrapolation, and we just sort of we extrapolate <laughs> right. out into the future forever. Yeah. And you know, the 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 theory would tell you that a, the value of a company is the sum of all its future cash flows. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, so at some point in the future, the cash flows won't be as strong. Um, <laughs> That's right. do, do you know? So it's just yeah. it's just it's just be careful, and we we, we, we see it happening. And mm-hmm. it, it, by the way, it happens on the other side, right, o- yes. O- o- yes. of the cycle as well. When when the price is really low a lot of marginal producers go out of business people aren't investing in new production and all of a sudden there's a there's there's not enough supply to go around and guess what happens the price shoots back up and then everyone gets back in so we have this sort of stabilizing mechanism that's sort of implicit Mm -hmm. in the whole system Mm -hmm. so yeah it is great for australia long long may the price stay high fantastic good stuff just just it 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 won't it won't stay that way don't don't bet on it hey don't don't Um, bet on it (laughs) speak of saying hi The other, look, I, the recovery from COVID has been spectacularly good, right? We all know that. And, and look, fantastic. Really excited about it. Um, bank shareholders are going to do very, very well out of all this. The the bank share price, the bank profits have roared back. Commonwealth Bank mm. this week announced $2.4 billion in profit. Not not for a year, not for a half, for a quarter. Mm. $2.4 billion for a quarter. Now, my math is not great, but I'm taking that's about $9.6 billion for a year if you annualize that. Mm-hmm. They've also announced that because they had to cut the dividend last year, they've got $10 billion of surplus capital that's looking to come back to shareholders. Mm. And so, has there ever been a better time to be a bank shareholder? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a bank shareholder in the mid-90s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, that we, was just... Think it was we were younger and better looking and funnier and fitter and stuff? Well, I'd, I would... Yes, I would very much like to go back uh, for all of those reasons. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's, it's, it was just... It was the start of a very strong uh, era for the banks for a whole bunch of competitive yeah. reasons, which, which we've gone into before. But, but mm. yeah, look, I, I think it's... I, look, if you're a shareholder, I think it is good news. I, 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 what they do with that money is going to be the difficult thing. Um, uh, the, the theory is, I think we mentioned this last week, is that the theory is is that you should you should pay out every single cent that you've got no good mm. use for. Yeah, if right. Commonwealth Bank can keep all that money and and reinvest that and and spit out a fifteen percent return, then they shouldn't pay any dividend whatsoever. Yeah. That's what Buffett yeah. does, right? Because he gets these incredible yeah. returns. Yeah. Um, if if they can't, they should keep everything they can to sustain their operations and grow where is prudent. But if they can't, they should return it to shareholders. But then you've got that too, and this is a big lead up into what you're saying with the buybacks. There's two options there. We can pay you cash mm-hmm. um, or we can buy back shares. And that is a return to you in a, in a roundabout kind of way. 
because it reduces the number of shares or the number of mm. slices that the pizza is cut into. So your proportional ownership increases and therefore your yep. per share earnings and uh, per share dividends all increase. So it's a good thing. Um, right. If, and here's the big if with buybacks, <laughs> it only makes sense if the shares are below what you might consider fair value. So if, if shares are super, super expensive, then a buyback is actually, is absolutely just setting money on shareholder money on fire. <laughs> Right, and you should pay. You should pay the cash. <laughs> um, so that's that's really the nub of the question here. Is like, okay, the coffers are full, lots of cash. That's great. Um, should they be buying back shares? I think we've both been on the record of saying banks aren't phenomenal value at this point in time. Correct. So I I would prefer uh, a dividend. Yeah, it's it's a challenge though, right? I mean, to some degree. Do you pay no tax on a buyback? If you don't sell mm. your shares into the buybacks, your proportional ownership increases without the tax being paid. Um, yep. And I've got to say, it's uh, so, so there's two questions, as you say. What should the company do and then what should the shareholders prefer? And they're mm. kind of different because the, what the company does, the third option, as you say, is investing for growth. We don't have yep. the option of shareholders. We can either receive a buyback benefit or dividend benefit. Mm. Um, I, I, it, it would be interesting. So the other thing about bank shares, of course, is that most shareholders are there for the dividends. And yeah. so there'll be a whole lot of people, you know, banging on the door saying, "Give us more, more cash," because we want the actual yeah. cash to go and, you know, pay, pay the bills. And you know, most people are doing it in retirement, near retirement. So that's kind of this that. Even if the buyback does increase the proportional ownership, I mean, you know, Apple's bought back something like ten or fifteen percent of its stock over time. Uh, Berkshire's mm. even doing it. You mentioned Warren Buffett owns shares in Berkshire. You mentioned yep. that. Um, it's a it's a huge uh, it's a huge question for for investors, and also, you know, to some degree. If you keep, if they do do a buyback, you're effectively you're, you're doing the equivalent of them giving you a dividend and then you're using it to buy more Commonwealth Bank shares. Same and thing. And so the question almost. is, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, there's no transaction, but effectively that's what you're doing because you're increasing your ownership mm. in that in that company by other people's shares being taken off market. But it's kind of the same thing in a, in a roundabout mm. kind of way, which conceptually also yeah. begs the question: if you weren't going to buy, if you don't think they're the best shares to buy, even mm. if you think Commonwealth Bank, you know, you want your proportional ownership increased because you don't want to pay the tax. If I gave you a $1,000 and said, which shares do you want to buy? Unless your answer is the company buying back its shares, mm. you should actually want the dividends so you can actually go and put your money into something else, right? Rather than, rather than just a higher portion of ownership in the company just because you happen to own it. If it's your 20th best idea, a buyback is not... Even, even, if, the, even if the shares are below intrinsic value or around intrinsic value, it's still a, mm. it's still a you know... Um, yeah. They're making the decision on your behalf rather than you saying, I'll have the cash, thank you very much, and decide what to do with it, even if you are paying a little bit in tax on the way through. Yeah, yep, I agree with all of that. Nothing to add, Mate, as Charlie Munger would say. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have nothing to add exactly. Mate, uh, we've, we've gone very long. I hope the budget conversation was interesting for you and for our listeners. Um, breaking it down a little bit, look, it was partly about the budget, but I think it gave us an opportunity to talk about the economy in a different way. And I hope mm-hmm. that's what most of our listeners have taken from this is the just the, the, the swing factors of the economy where money is better or, or, or worse spent. Um, you're right, I claim no expertise or, or infallibility. Uh, I mean, I am infallible, but I don't claim that. Um, but uh, but it, it's important because, you know, it hopefully it gave, gave us a sense of run through the economy, what's what's moving, what's not, how the money can be spent. We will come back on Sunday, mate, and I reckon we probably should do a mailbag. What do you reckon? I think, I think we definitely should. <laughs> there you go, we will. Um, I should give a quick mention to, I'm going to start the mailbag episode, mate, with a non-mailbag question. Okay. Uh, as, as we speak, uh, the ASX is down again. Uh, volatility has been really present, particularly with some larger, uh, some better known, some higher growth stocks. It's been a tough old run um, generally over the last three months. But this week in particular, 
US inflation mm. is up, interest rate talk is up, and it's having an impact on share prices. So my first question to you on Sunday, get ready for this one, is going to be, here's a bit of a tease for our listeners as well, we're seeing the rubber hit the road, as I mentioned. This is real economy stuff. This is inflation rearing its head and potentially having impacts on the market. So we will set, we will discuss that as our first question on Sunday and then we'll get into our listeners' mailbag questions because that's probably more important than what I think is important. But hopefully uh, the inflation and the, the volatility questions are worth com- talking about because it's going to be in the news. It's going to be all over the place. As I said, the US market fell more than 2% Wednesday night our time. Uh, mm. So it, a lot is happening and it's probably worth considering. So there you go. Bit of a tease for Sunday. In advance of that, Make sure you do subscribe to the Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes, your favourite Android podcast app or the listener app. You don't want to miss this Sunday's podcast or any of them, of course, by definition. So make sure you do subscribe. Please do leave us a rating and a review if you would be so kind. We really do appreciate it. I mention it almost every week. Um, it genuinely does help our podcast get found by more people and that's important for us. Uh, hopefully it's important for you and important for them. If we're adding some value, hopefully that's useful. And of course, don't forget you can get a dose of foolishness straight to your inbox with some marketing from us by going to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Now, if you want to follow Andrew, and you should, you can simply go to strawman.com. That's where his business is based. That's where his business is. That is his business. Go to strawman.com or jump onto the socials. Exactly. Jump onto the socials at sage underscore Simeon is his Twitter handle or at strawmaninvest. That's Andrew's two Twitter accounts. If you want to get in touch with me, at TMFScottP or at The Motley Fool AU, that's both for Twitter and Instagram. Or if you're on Facebook, The Motley Fool Australia or Scott Phillips Money. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll be back next week with another dose of Foolish Insight. Fool on. Thanks for listening. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.